I began to like feel like, you know, I was very different from the other kids or they were pointing things out that were so different. As a Haitian kid growing up, that had its challenges of its own because although we look alike, there was a bullying that took place because I spoke a different language or because my parents had an accent. If this is what God is using to expose something in your heart, in our family, in our culture, by all means, I'm here to kind of drive that and that's what God is calling me to. Our daughter, we instill in her is that you are beautiful, you know, no matter what you look like, that you created in the image of God. Knowing that you have a man who fears God first before anything and anyone else and knows that any word that he says on a podcast or on a platform, first he has to deal with God. Matthew 25 verses 35 and 36. Before, you know, you judge, say just something out of ignorance, put yourself in these people's shoes mm -hmm. and be empathetic. I think when we approach issues like this, we should approach it with empathy mm -hmm. through the lens of Christ. Keep the people of Haiti in your prayers. Intersecting hard conversations with the gospel. We seek and speak the truth about what's going on around us. I'm your host, Rabrina Rettel. My guests today are June and Stephanie Marslin. They are podcast hosts of Moments with the Marslins. The podcast is curated in a way that reflects three areas to speak to who they are and what they believe in. Transparency, tools, and truth. Moments with the Marslins doesn't shy away from complex or sometimes controversial conversations such as racial justice, mental health, forgiveness, emotional health, and much more. Still, they thrive on being a meeting place of hope and encouragement to anyone who listens. June and Stephanie are joining me in a conversation today about being a multicultural couple and a multicultural marriage. Thank you, Stephanie and June, for joining me today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having us. It is a pleasure and honor to be with you. Thank you again for having us. I wanted to talk to you all because you're in a multicultural marriage. I wanted you all to talk about your individual background, you know, what your family is like, your upbringing, and then how you all met. So whoever wants to start. Hello, my name is Stephanie, and let's see, background. So my parents are from Honduras in Central. I was actually born in Miami. So Miami, if you've ever been there, it's very diverse culture, predominantly Hispanic, Latino culture. You go to the store and you basically order in Spanish. Um, you know what I mean? But I, again, I, I grew up in a very diverse culture. My grandfather is actually Cuban as well. So like we had like a mix kind of growing when I was 10 years old. You said your grandfather's Cuban? Yes. Yeah. So then at 10 years old, we moved from Miami, Florida mm -hmm. to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And if you know anything about that, that is a huge culture shock. Very, very different. I was, you know, literally a, probably the only kid in my class that spoke Spanish. To everyone, I had an accent, you know, that, you know, I have like this you know, accent now or whatever. So it, I began to like, feel like, you know, I was very different from the other kids or they were pointing things out that were so different. Mm -hmm. But to me, it was like part of who I was. I was like, what do you, you know what I mean? Like it didn't make sense coming from again, Miami, Florida to Tulsa, Oklahoma, like that's a huge shift and change. So I, I began to kind of see like, okay, I'm different. I'm not like everyone else. What's kind of wrong. And if you mm -hmm. see me firsthand, I don't look different. But you know what I mean? People already started kind of like breaking things from me that I didn't fit with everyone else. Mm. So grew up there until I was a junior in, in high school. And then my parents, we had to move to Texas. So again, the cultures within Texas and Oklahoma are very similar, you know, predominantly Mexican culture, 
you know, you know, Spanish and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, so and then we moved back to Florida. <laughs> so I moved around a lot in my life. And so, so yeah, so we actually met in Orlando, Florida. But anyway, so I'm the oldest of two of three girls. I have two younger sisters and, and yeah, that's a little bit about me and my background. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. I moved around a lot too. So I get you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People are like, are you a military person? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, no, it's a little bit of instability, a little bit of, you know, trying to figure things out. I'm like, Hey, but uh, by all means, you're yeah, <laughs> going where, jo- go where the jobs are really. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. I guess as a stable one, I'll share my story a little bit. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Hello, everyone. My name is June. My family's actually from the country of Haiti. And so I was actually the first born here in the States. And so I have three older brothers who were born and raised in Haiti. I was born in the States, like I stated previously. And so I identify as Afro-Haitian American. And so I'm from a small town called Davenport, Florida, in between Tampa and Orlando, by way of Arbondale, Florida, another smaller city. And so growing up, I grew up pretty much in the uh, urban city where I grew up predominantly around African-American community. As a, as a Haitian kid growing up, that had its challenges of its own because you know, although we look alike, you know, there was a uh, bullying that took place because I spoke a different language mm-hmm. or because my parents had an accent when they, when they would speak. And so I had to face that on early on growing up around the age of 12, I moved to uh, Davenport, Florida, where I was in a predominantly Latin neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's a proper context, but I grew up around a lot of Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, mm-hmm. a lot of people from New York came pretty much lived where I lived. And so also it was a great, a large population of Mexican in my school. And so I've, I've seen so much diversity as far as when it comes to culture. The church that I attended for like 18 years of my life was a Latin church, predominantly um, Puerto Rican, but there were so many different cultures and, and, and things like that. And so I've had the opportunity to kind of be around several different types of cultures but I am fluent in the language of Creole. I speak some French and English, and I'm trying to learn some Spanish, trying to learn some Spanish. I understand more than I speak, but yeah, those are just a little bit of my experiences growing up. So you all are actually, because I didn't realize this uh, about myself until I was much, much older. I thought that everyone grew up like I did. I, I grew up with lots of different cultures around me. Mm-hmm. And so I was so surprised when I realized, nope, people don't grow up like that. Like people are usually whatever your neighborhood is and, and whatever, if your neighborhood is based on a particular ethnicity, that's where you grow up. And those are the people you grow up around. You don't really cross into other uh, cultures. And so uh, like when I moved to Nebraska, I was kind of surprised that, oh, I'm in Lincoln which is one of two the larger cities, Omaha and Lincoln. And, but I was surprised at how people don't really cross over very much into you know, each other's culture. Like you, like you have to put forth effort you know, to have yeah. multicultural friends. And for me growing up, it was just normal. It was natural because you were yeah. naturally around people of different cultures. So anyway, I found it to be a gift now as an adult. You know, I found it to be a gift. Like you, Stephanie, moving around a lot. It may be a little more adaptable. It made me mm-hmm. be okay in new situations, you know? So it, yeah. it did turn out to be a gift. But I wanted to know, okay, so I, I do believe multicultural uh, marriage is beautiful. And I do believe that there's a lot of interest and depth and just beauty, you know, that comes out of that. And so, and which is one of the reasons why I want to talk to you all. And so I wanted to know, like, how did you meet? What I'm really interested in is what's your love story? Okay, so I'll share my side of the story. I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, but so we actually met at church. Funny enough, it was in 2013. I had just kind of like given my life back to Jesus and I was like on fire for God. Like that first, like, you know, like I I was raised in a Christian home my entire life. And I had like an encounter with God when I was like, you know, a little girl. And then again, at 14 years old, and then I kind of drifted away. And then I kind of came back, you know, and so we met like at that point, we were actually, I was actually serving in the young adult ministry that we had at the church. 
And that's where I met him, you know, just kind of like in serving. So since all of us were young adults, we were like all go out to eat after service madly, knowing you had to wake up like at 5 a.m. the next morning, but who cares, you know? (laughs) So we would uh, go and hang out and, you know, little by little, it was kind of like, oh, he's really cool. You know, we started kind of hanging out in like big groups all the time. And then he kind of approached me on Facebook one day or something like that I think it was and he was like oh well hey by the way we were having a small talk he's oh well I have to sign off so here's my number text me and I was like I guess whatever so I I guess I texted him and (laughs) he kind of started from there but it really was just a mutual friendship that then kind of developed into be a little bit you know something obviously more yeah so it was it was pretty organic which was cool uh yeah what's your side of the story june (laughs) yeah i definitely logged off and told her to text me that was a trick i had nowhere to go but i uh, wanted her number so i said i'm about to log off but yeah we met back in 2013 through a friend a mutual friend and we just kind of started hanging out getting to know one another just learning about each other our stories where she was from where i was from and eventually we said we want to take this to the next level we started that phase of a relationship and in the beginning it was it was challenging it definitely had its challenges because you know we're two completely different cultures and so for some family members that came as a challenge because I was not Hispanic and that was something that was one of those hurdles that we had to kind of an obstacle and a challenge that we had to overcome together you know you know some people just had you know, prejudices, just not truly understanding of who I was as an individual. And so sometimes when people don't understand, they quick, they're quick to label, mislabel and judge without getting to know me. And so for some, it was difficult at, in the beginning mm-hmm. of that process. But uh, something that I truly admire about Stephanie is that in the midst of those challenges, in the midst of those obstacles, you know, she stood by my side. She vouched for me, you know, and it was one of those things where I didn't even really have to defend myself because not only Stephanie, but there were also people around me who knew me, who would speak highly of me. And and so it was one of those things like, man, like God really does have you, you know, sometimes you just have to be still and, and just kind of allow him to work. But like any relationship that's inter-ethnic, there there can be challenges. From my side, everyone, it's funny, there's this running joke that growing up that everyone knew I was going to marry Latina for whatever reason, everyone just knew, right? And so from my side, you know, she was received from day one. So thankfully on that aspect of it, it was no challenge from, from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's good. She, she stood up for you. Yeah, absolutely thinking back like that that was really like that was a really tough time because the people around you especially family members and you know loved ones when you're in this relationship and you feel like it's getting serious you want people to like be rooting for you you know what I'm saying like Uh, yeah yeah. you're like you're making a good decision that's awesome look at you getting a man of God stuff like yo come on you know (laughs) or whatever but it it was really we're kind of faced with the opposite where it's just like it wasn't his character that was being you know ripped apart it wasn't anything like that but it was something that none of us have control over you know what I'm saying it's like nothing in in reality it's like you know what I mean you're picking something apart because of someone's color you know the color of their skin Mm -hmm. or their ethnic background and it's like no like I like if that's all you have to say to me you have nothing to say at all you know to be honest so I was like you know what I'm a praying woman I was like the Lord speaks to me and so we just we just honestly were praying we we took it very humbly, you know what I mean? We, you know, were, by all means, we approached everyone with care. Like, you know, it's not like I'm throwing stuff in someone's face, but it's like, by all means, if this is what God is using to expose something in your heart, in our family, in our culture, mm. by all means, I'm here to kind of drive that if that's what God is calling me to do. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because you don't know until it comes knocking on your door. That's right. That is, that is yeah, that, that's good. I want to add on to that where it's kind of like God using you to drive that because little did we know it was going to be a challenge. In the beginning, when we were friends, it was, it was no problem. Smooth sailing, you know, but once we wanted to take it to that next level, that's when some challenges came from some family members. Well, I know um, you all are expecting, so you will have a multicultural child. And I just wanted to 
read a little bit of statistics to you all. One in four, oh, this is, okay, this is for the current generation, Generation Z. One in four are Latinx. Is it okay to say Latinx? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My yeah. son- That's inclusive of all genders, yeah. Okay. Yeah. My son's friend said that they don't say that. <laughs> no, I mean, it's it, like you use that more in like college, to be honest, like how where I've heard it, like where it's, you know, but you just say Latino, Latino, but Latinx is just inclusive of all. Okay. Yeah. I'm still learning this as we go. So you're, you're good. Yeah. It changes. Yeah. I told him, I said, I, I get a newsletter from the LA Times and it's the Latinx Times. Yeah, yeah. He said, is. no, his friends it were like, no, I prefer to be called Hispanic. One says, I, be, I prefer to be called Mexican-American. And I said, you know, mm -hmm. I, and then he said, yeah, they said that white people made that up. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, they're 18. <laughs> I said, well, I can understand. I will honor whoever a person wants to be called because, because they deserve that honor. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying yeah. that's a preference. They deserve that honor. But that's why I just wanted to make sure. No, it is, it is widely used, to be honest. Like, I, I see it all the time but I guess it just depends on the type the conversations you're in I guess that yeah mm -hmm. that's like, yes, same, with, same with black people because some yeah. black people they want to be called black and other black people want to be called African-American right but, and then some get offended if you do say African-American I'm American and so it yes it has its challenges you know even when it comes to just color in general you know there's like there's only one race if you want to be technical and that's the human race you know when we talk about all this construct of race this was something that was man-made i believe in the 1500s to you know to have structure and hierarchy you yes. know but there's only one human race and so i'm trying to get it out of my vocabulary it's just kind of growing up with that you know and so I try to be mindful of saying ethnicity in my speech, you know, because there, I believe there's truly one race. Yes. I like to, I always ask to I always ask also, what's your ethnicity? You know, because mm -hmm. that's really, that really is God's idea, ethnicity, because that's where you derive from. So, mm -hmm. okay, let's yeah. go back to the baby. So one in four of this particular generation, so my kid's generation is Latinx, 14% uh, are Black, 6% are Asian. And then 5% are another race or two or more races. And uh, they said right now for two or more ethnic or racial groups, the most common age is three years old. Isn't that something? Mm. And the most common age for um, white Americans is 58. Mm. It says to me that the country is becoming more and more how I believe it should be anyway, like just like together, yeah. like intertwined. Absolutely. So we're talking about baby and you are expecting. And so your child is going to grow up prayerfully in a more intertwined um, America and more diversity and not that not taken away from the person, because my thing, my thing about people who, people who have a problem with other races is, especially in the Christian community, my problem is we are all Imago Day, made in the image of God. And that should be the, your primary focus. So anyway, I, I am encouraged for you all. And, you know, I have the, I have those children too. And my, my children have had some uh, struggles in their being multi-ethnic I my son in particular I remember distinctly when his friend group began to shift and we call it the day he turned black it was like the day they realized that he had his mother's blood in him and so there were some things that he was seeing happening in society and that he was moved by that his friends didn't get they didn't understand it and they didn't think that it mattered where it did matter to him because well my mom looks like that you know and that's me you know because he identifies himself as black that's me. and because society identifies him as black also i'm encouraged though for your baby girl but things may be a little different then 
yeah, yeah. absolutely and and we are too and and you know we have these conversations now of like you know how will those things be like how may those things play out you know and how things are perceived you mm. know like it's it's crazy because even like in conversations now and I know people don't do it intentionally you know but they're like oh my goodness I can't wait to see what she looks like what if she has your blue eyes or what if she's like light skin or what if she's like this and you know what I mean blonde hair like what if she has blonde hair like all these different things and I know people don't do it intentionally but what you're doing is saying that if she has lighter complexion she will be more beautiful mm-hmm. you know it's like if my baby comes out you know with brown eyes dark skin like my husband you know curly coarse hair she will be just as beautiful like yeah. there's absolutely nothing wrong with that mm-hmm. and so I already can like begin to see how people like perceive that and think that you know what I mean so her value is determined by her appearance right and then that ties into everything else that we see in society how she will be perceived as a black woman to some yes and just black you know what i'm saying like she'll be nothing more than that so it just like as a mother i literally pray and i'm like lord help me be the mom she needs me to be Mm. and you know in in whatever capacity because there's going to be things that i don't even understand because i am not a black woman Mm. you know what i'm saying so i'm like wrestling with like lord give me that wisdom that i need and i know I need to put, you know, the village around her to help her in areas that I know I won't be able to. Mm. But at the same time, it's like, Lord, I pray that, I don't know, that that people's hearts are honestly changed because of that. Because Mm. it is a heart issue, Yes, you know, and it's a scary thing sometimes to think about and to see and to constantly like look at videos, images and like, you know what I mean, being bombarded by all of this hate. Mm. that you're like you know ultimately you're not like living in fear but you're like it's a concern if if it's yeah it's a valid concern and I'm like unless you're living in it you don't see that right you know or you're not feeling that Mm -hmm. and you know it's it's one of the things that we kind of check in with each other about it's like man like there's conversations we're gonna have to have that other people don't need to have with their kids Mm-hmm. you know it's like how to approach certain situations what to do if this or this happens and it's like it's scary that these things are still you know part of like our language and our narrative right you know mm-hmm. but as you read some of the statistics like some things are shifting and I do believe that this you know generation is making those changes you mm-hmm. know because they're not standing for those injustices that sometimes were overlooked right I agree I do have to say though uh, to you, Stephanie, to be encouraged because I do think the Lord gives us the children that we need. I do think he hand selected you two as a couple to raise this child and uh, to show his love, mercy, and grace and point that child to Jesus and all that good stuff. <laughs> so I do believe you will do fine and that you were hand selected by our father and so I just want to encourage you in that. You're welcome. So we're going to talk about your podcast, Moments. Moments with the Marcelins. Marcelins, sorry. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> no, you're Moments good. with the Marcelins. And yeah, I actually, I listened uh, to a few of your podcasts. And I enjoy it. I really appreciate how authentic and vulnerable you all are and how you just, you know what I noticed about the two of you in particular, when you all were playing that game. So the last one that dropped this last week, this is September mm-hmm. 21st. So let's, let's get deep. Yes. The, that the one. card let's game. Get, yes. The card game. <laughs> you all are best friends. Just the way you all talk to each other and you kind of go back and forth. You have that banter. I was like, boy, they really like each other. <laughs> they, are, they are really best friends, you know? Yeah. Oh, but one one other thing I had I, I wanted to talk about in it is when the inside joke you all had. I thought that was so funny when you said when you said there's levels to this. Hold right. your hand or put his arm around. You like wait up, hold yes. up. That's how she would say. Like, it. I'd be so extra, so extra. <laughs> don't ask me where it came from because I don't know. But um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think you know going back. Like it's funny because literally a couple weeks ago my sister was asking I think it was us and my parents my parents are about to celebrate their 30th wedding anniversary in December 
And my sister was asking uh, them, and we're about to celebrate five years, so we have like nothing on them. But, (laughs) you know, my sister was asking, do you think that friendship is an important part of a relationship, especially like a marriage? And we were like, yeah, by all means, you need to like the person (laughs) that you're with if you're going to be with them for a really long time. Uh, are you going to like everything? No, there's going to be things that, you know, get under your skin a little bit, but it's your differences that brought you together too. So I appreciate having my best friend. But then secondly to that, that inside joke. Yeah. That's, that's one of the ones that stays true to, to us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Go ahead, June. No, I was just kind of going back to when you were discussing about our daughter. I'm very hopeful as well. One of the things for me that we want to just make sure that we instill in her is that you are beautiful, you know, no matter what you look like, that you created in the image of God. I think it's going to be awesome because she has all these different cultures to pull from, you know, Haitian, Honduran, American, and, you know, I think, you know, Cuban. And so it's, it's one of those things. It's a, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. You know, it's definitely a beautiful thing. And I do believe that, you know, to, to piggyback on your point that we were, you know, hand selected for that. I know sometimes often, a lot of the times from my conversations with people who have a mixed ethnicity, sometimes the challenge growing up is, well, you're not this enough or you're not that enough, you know? <laughs> and so, you know, the, there's going to be those conversations to, to have. You're not half this, half that. You, you're, you're a mixture of both. Right. You're, you're Haitian just as much as you're Honduran. Yeah. So, just instilling that in her and just letting her know that, you know, you're beautiful. And, and so I just wanted to share that. Yeah, I agree. And that is a valid also that you're not enough this, you're not enough that. Cause my kids have also experienced that. So, you know, either, on either side of the family, not white enough, not black enough, whatever. And so, yeah. And it's like, well, you're, you're you, you know, you're who you're supposed to be. And so uh, it's hard for them, though, you know, it's like you have to have those conversations of how not to let it get to them. But you are you are who you were supposed you're who you were created to be. It should not matter one side or the other. It shouldn't matter. I appreciate you adding on to that. Absolutely. I want to say that on that that one podcast episode, let's get deep. So for you all to hear about the inside joke, you will have to go to moments with Marcelin (laughs) podcast to hear about the inside joke but how I said you all are friends and the way you guys kind of banter back and forth you know it said that marriage is like ocean tide current you know it ebbs and it flows Mm. did you find anything in your cultural differences that cause an ebb or a flow or a period of decline and regrowth and what if so what are those differences that may have pulled you away but then what about those differences brought you back towards one another? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know if I could say there was anything necessarily within the culture that pulled us away, but uh, there was things that kind of draw uh, curiosity that we always say with one another is to have a posture of curiosity and not of one of critique. In honor of Hispanic Heritage Month, here's our Hispanic Latino business shout out about Robesi's hair salon. This is where my daughter has gotten her eyebrows done and they look so good. They are located at 300 North 27th Street. One of my son's favorite restaurants to go eat is El Chaparro, authentic Mexican food restaurant located at 900 South 13th Street. Now let's hear personally from more businesses that I really like. Bienvenidos al Lobo City Mex. Somos una tienda de una única parada en donde puedes encontrar todo lo que buscas. Carne, pan fresco todos los días, comida fresca todos los días, todos los productos de la canasta familiar, así como dulces mexicanos, dulces de toda Latinoamérica. Tenemos productos que varían en todas sus locaciones y siempre serán bienvenidos. Bienvenidos a Lobos Remix. Nos encontramos en la 3303 de la 27 Street en Lincoln, Nebraska. Síganos en nuestra página de Facebook como Lobos Remix y aquí también encontrarán envíos para todas partes del mundo, servicios varios y gente con muy buena calidad que los va a atender siempre con una sonrisa. 
Welcome to Lava City Mix. We are a Mexican Latin store where you can find everything you need. This is a one-stop shop. You can find fresh food every day, bakery, candies from all over the world. We will be more than happy to help you here. Follow us on Facebook as Lava City Mix and visit us. You know, Stephanie's family, the culture, like holidays, like it's so big in her family. Not that it isn't in the uh, Haitian community, but in my family in particular, the culture, you know, we we really didn't like go all out. Like I, I never really had a Christmas tree in my house growing up or anything like that. Not because Haitians don't do it. It's just my family in particular. We didn't do it. You right. Know? <laughs> mm-hmm. And so that was an adjustment um for me and it's not it's like now I'm bringing a baby into this world it's like okay like I'm glad I got a, a few years of that under me so mm-hmm. I can kind of you know do those things for her but something else is man I don't know if it's all Latin cultures but uh, my beautiful family when they have a, a Thanksgiving or just a celebration man when I tell you they will dress to the nines wow I, I really dated myself right now what well, they will they will get they will get wow that is they're gonna be like how old is this guy? Um, no, they will they will dress up to sit in that sala. They will dress up to sit in that sala in that living room. And for me, I never understood that. So if I was gonna say anything was probably a challenge, it's probably that. Like, why are we getting dressed up to sit down in a living room and take pictures? You know like what? Thanksgiving. I'm like, if I'm gonna get dressed up, I'm gonna go out. You know, but they will dress up, heels, makeup, makeup, be looking good to sit in the living room. And I just don't get it to this day. I don't. (laughs) I'm not sure if that's a a culture thing either. I think that's her family because I used to do that. (laughs) Okay. And and my husband's family did not. (laughs) (laughs) We were all dressed up you know, to sit in the living room. And my daughter's picked up that same thing. She likes to dress up on Thanksgiving or Christmas. You know, she's just like, I'm gonna get my dress on, even if it's just us. <laughs> that is crazy to me. I don't get it. And don't get it wrong. Like, I love to dress up, go out. But if I'm in my living room, in my home, I like to do my sweats, my slides. <laughs> and so that is something that I'm always kind of pushing back on. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. Well, I tell you what, that baby girl going to be dressed up. <laughs> yes, she is. Yes, she is. She's got some aunts that love to dress up. She's going to have a grandmother who loves to dress up. Yeah, so she's going to be one of them. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was good. What do you think? Let's see. I, like, it's funny because I know, like, we know other other couples that are, like, multi-reach, uh, multicultural, multi-ethnic, and they've had, like, a lot of those challenges, but I think it's funny that when we met each other, we were in this process and journey of healing, because we both started therapy, like, around the same time when we met each other, so we were doing, like, therapy, like, because we both had issues, like, before right. we ever, <laughs> you know, got together, so we all do we became really aware of certain things and I feel like we used some of those things that would normally like draw you away mm. I was like okay what does this actually mean and then how can we create a culture of our own where we're bringing what we want and leaving what we don't want mm. so Bravo. I look at that now in our marriage and I'm like wow we really made our own sandbox I remember in one of our therapy sessions that we had, we started doing therapy together. The therapist literally took us to like a child's like play area and was like, hey, grab a sandbox. And so he grabbed one, I grabbed one. And they're like, you know, describe your family, like Mm -hmm. everything. So grab like a piece of everything to like, you know, and this is just like hurts and pains and like issues that happen in life and who's in your family and your dog and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And we did that and we both like had our own. And then she's like, okay, let's bring another one. And she's like, now you guys make your own. Mm. And we literally started putting pieces together in this new sandbox that would make, that was meaningful for us that we decided what to keep and what to leave. And there were so many things that were like, yo, I love this part about my family, but this part I'm going to, I'm going to leave it. Right. Because that's going to be hurtful and hurtful. So I feel like there could have been so many things that would have drew us apart 
Mm-hmm. And some things that did are like, you know, personal traumas that we went through. We didn't know how to navigate those things mm-hmm. in a healthy way. But going through therapy as early on, I feel like it helped us, especially when it came to some of those things that culturally would have divided us, you know, because we wouldn't know how to handle them. Mm-hmm. Wow. You had a very good therapist. <laughs> she was excellent. <laughs> she, no, she was great. She was great. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I don't think I mentioned this earlier, but that that's how we met. Ste- how I met Stephanie in June was in a trauma healing group. I was yeah. actually a facilitator in that group. And uh, then all these other people in the group had a podcast. <laughs> I, have, I have met so many people like, oh yeah, I got podcasts, I got podcasts. Anyway, so then I, I started listening to theirs. And I was like, oh, wow, I really like this. And then I liked them anyway, just kind of how they interacted as individuals and as a couple. And so that, that's, that's something I really admire about from what I've seen from the outside, um, looking in to your couplehood or your marriage, is you all do a very good job of allowing the individual to be the individual, but coming together as one. I mean, it's, a, it's like a puzzle piece, the way you all do it. You know what I mean? Like, yes, this, this, this piece here needs to be someplace, and when we come together, it's the, it's the whole picture. And uh, even though you are your own individual people, you all are so good as uh, a couple together. That that has been my observation. You know, not that I, I don't live in Florida. <laughs> so it's from a very, very far distance. <laughs> but oh, thank you for sharing that. That's, yeah. that. That means a lot because I know, when you know couples normally come together it's like you're trying to make the other person like you Mm. you know or you're trying to like accommodate yourself to Mm. fit into this other person's world Mm -hmm. and I think that when you're when your individualities are like respected and celebrated is when you don't have to give this or leave that you know what I mean those aspects of yourself but you can make it something new Mm-hmm. And sometimes I just come from like what you've seen mm-hmm. growing yeah. up, you know, where you were told your whole life what you had to be, right? You know, or what you should do or what you shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. And then you come to marriage and you're like trying to be a mom or a dad to someone else, but yeah. you didn't marry your mom, right? Or <laughs> your dad. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he's, you know, he's not that to me. I married him to be my husband, like my partner. And that comes with like humility and like understanding and taking this posture of curiosity as to why is this so important to him? Mm. Like, why is this bothering him so much? You know, did I, did something trigger me to say what I said? Like mm. for you to ask those deeper questions to be able to make your own sandbox. Mm. To be honest. Yeah. We owe so much to, you know, to just kind of therapy and, you know, obviously God, that goes without saying, but that therapy aspect is really good because you know someone's probably listening and i'm like oh you guys have it so easy like it was everything that we've had has never been easy we always joke around it was like what honeymoon phase from the jump it was always a challenge Mm -hmm. just off cultures and things like that our different cultures but it's like when two people are willing to make something work despite their differences and they're willing to lay aside pride and have that posture of curiosity and just that meekness you know, so much can be accomplished and we owe so much to, you know, therapy as well as just mentors who, who walked with us, you know, who walk with us till this day. Mm. Like you say, we are far from perfect. We come from two completely different backgrounds and worlds. And it's like, you know, certain, something was instilled in her, something was instilled in me. Our parents did the best with what they could. They gave us a lot of jewels and gems, and then they gave us some things that it's okay, we're going to leave, you know, and that's probably what we're going to do with our daughter too, you know, right. you know, hopefully yeah. we can be, you know, we can do better than what our parents done. And, and hopefully she'll be able one day, Lord willing, if she wants to have her, the children of her own, be better than we were. And so I just wanted to point that out there that it isn't something that is, it, it's smooth like smooth but you know if two people are willing they can make it work mm-hmm. that was good I appreciate that so I'm going to ask you all to take a moment to each of you describe the beauty in one another as people made in Imago Day. what I love about my wife is just her selflessness she is a giver I see how she interacts with her family and how she's so willing to just 
give, give up her time, give up her resources, her love. And that is one of the great and many attributes that she has. And that's why I love and care for her so much. One of the reasons because she's selfless. She's so smart as well. Like (laughs) the way she makes things work. I'm the dreamer. I'm like, okay, I want this to happen A to Z. And she gives me B through Y on every step (laughs) and how that's going to take place. That's awesome. Like she is just, we are wired so differently. And I thank God for that because since I met her, everything is just kind of upgraded in my life per se, ministry, everything, life, just, she's just such a helper, you know, her mind, you know, her funny, her silliness. A lot of people don't get to see that, but she is silly, goofy. And those are just, you know, some of those few things that, um, about her, she's a ride or die, you know, she's got my back 100%. And so I've seen it firsthand in the midst of opposition, even, you know, with challenges within her family, like she stood for me. She stood for me. And that's when I was like, you know what? I got a good one. And I need to make sure I maintain that because she's, she's ride or die. So to recap that selflessness, helper, funny, intelligent, and uh, she has my back. So that's beautiful. (laughs) Thank you, honey. You're so sweet. So things that honestly, kind of just like captivated me about June. First of all, I think it's his level of understanding. He was so understanding. I remember when we first met and I kind of like laid all the cards on the table. I'm like, hey, this is who I am. This is what happened. This is what I did. This, this is what caused that. This is my trauma. This is this and that. And he took it with so much grace mm-hmm. and so much understanding. And that's honestly one of the things that I love most about who he is, is that He's so, he gets it. Mm. He, just, he just gets it. I don't know. To other people, you feel like you have to prove yourself or to like, like for him, it was just, I love you for who you are. The second thing <clears throat> is that he is very ambitious. And honestly, it's kind of like the fire that doesn't stop. You know, that dreamer, he is that dreamer and it keeps me busy, which I like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? He's like, okay, what about this or what about that? And it's just, you know, God has just put, you know, so many things on his heart and it's like, all right, I can see that happen. Let's, let's do this together. He's like the fire and I'm okay, this is how we're going to make it work. You know what I mean? Like our balance is just, it just works. I don't know. It's so weird, but I love that about him. It's, I would say definitely, well, I probably, it goes without saying, but I think I'm not going to take it for granted because I didn't have this before, but he honestly is a man of God and a man of integrity. Mm. And for me, his level of vulnerability to God and his integrity to other people, like that speaks so much volume to me. That's, that's, it it honestly is amazing. And I don't want to take it for granted because I was in toxic relationships where, you know what I mean? I had the other hand you know, where, you know, I was, I was in those situations and knowing that you have a man who fears God first before anything and anyone else and knows that any word that he says on a podcast or on a platform, first, he has to deal with God, Mm. you know what I mean? And then with me, that speaks volumes to me. So I would say that those three things would like be the things that I admire most and that I love most about, you know, him as a person. Mm. wow well that's an inspiration right there (laughs) thank you babe love you (laughs) well tell us a little bit about your podcast what you all do and where where we can find you too make sure you 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 tell absolutely yes so moments with the marslins we are on all streaming platforms where podcasts can be found for our visuals we are also on youtube our website Babe, what is our website again? Moments.co. Yes. Yes. And so basically a little bit about the podcast, our moments together is basically centered around three things, transparency, tools, and truth. So transparency, we make sure that every moment that we have with our listeners that we're honest and we show a little bit, we show the real, the realness, you know, I think it's important to have a, uh, a level of transparency. Authenticity is important. That's what our next, that's what, you know, this generation is looking for. And so we definitely make sure that we have that tools because we provide resources, you know, it's more than just talking about a subject, but how can I make this practical? How can I apply this to my life? And then with our faith, that's where we have the truth to come in. What does scripture have to say about that? And so, you know, it's kind of been in our heart 
for years to do a podcast. We finally launched one last year. We love it. We enjoy it. And yeah, it's been a blessing to us. And I thank God it's also been a blessing to many others as well. Yeah, you can tell you enjoy it. And you all, you do really good uh, topics. What I appreciate about you all is you're not afraid to go deep and hit the hard stuff. You know, you know, I appreciate that. I mean, this is called grit, getting really immersed in truth. Yeah. <laughs> <Intersecting> <laughs> hard conversations. <laughs> so that's, that's right up my alley too. I really appreciate that about you all. So June, I know that you are um, Haitian and right now there are some difficult images to see that we've seen on the news. Uh, I know it was very uh, heartbreaking for me. I just wanted to get your perspective on that, how it's affecting your family, your parents, because your parents, they, they were actual immigrants. Is that correct? They migrated? Yeah, that is, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, absolutely. My dad actually came on a boat, risked his life, mm. you know, back in 1980 to come here, you know, and so I, I know that story very well. My dad sought asylum, you know, mm. here in the States and to provide a away for his family. I came eight years later. He did that for his family. And so I, I can definitely identify with, with my people. It's one of those things, if I'm honest, it's I'm wrestling with God. I just have so many questions as to why. Like It seems like time and time again, everything that has happened to the, the people of Haiti, you know, we, you know, natural disasters, mm -hmm. the earthquakes, recently with the assassination of the president. And it's mm -hmm. just like one thing after another, and uh, you look at the history and you're like, man, like, God, like, help us be with us. And so and so there's a there's there's my heart is broken. There's anger there because I just want justice to take place. I want you know, I want my people. I want for the country to be in a better shape. You know, I still have family that is still in Haiti right now mm -hmm. that I talk to that I send resources to. And so mm -hmm. with the little that I have, you know, I wish there's much more that I can do. And, you know, God willing, I know one day I'll be able to help even more. And there's some projects that I want to do in Haiti, but it, it is challenging. But for those who might not have an understanding or for those who, you know, I, 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 a verse that just kind of comes to mind is, is Matthew 25, 35. And it says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And so that's Matthew 25 verses 35 and 36. I think about that before, you know, you judge before you say, just something out of ignorance. I want you to put yourself in these people's shoes mm -hmm. and be empathetic. I think when we approach issues like this, we should approach it with empathy mm -hmm. through the lens of Christ. I just, I just wanted to share that and to continue to keep the people of Haiti in your prayers. If there's one thing though, that I know, and the last visit that I had was in 2012 is that my people, we are resilient we are resilient, even in the face of difficulty, even in the face of challenges, like we are resilient. We are strong people, you know, first black independent republic, you know, in this. And so we are strong. We are natural born fighters. It, it, it's in our veins. And so I just want to see my people in a better position. And I think that, uh, you know, the church has a responsibility to step up. We shouldn't wait on government officials like we are the church. Yeah. You know, when we look at Acts chapter two, we, we look at the church. There was no, quote unquote, government assistance. No, the church stepped up. You know, everyone gave to others as they had in need. And so we need to we need to demonstrate that today. And something that I like that you stated uh, offline was that, you know, it's the mission. It's the mission coming to you. Mm -hmm. You know, what excuse do you have now? You know, open yep. your doors, open your churches, clothe, see how you can partner up. Let's see how we can start some organizations and, and, and really lift up and help those who are less fortunate than us. You know, the Bible says, learn to do good, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the fatherless and plead for the widow. Mm -hmm. And so we're called to do that. We're called, we have a responsibility. This is what he's called us to do. And so that's what I would say. For, for our listeners to do that. God has called us to do these things and we have a responsibility to do so as a church if we want to be Christ-like. Amen. And on that note, 
Thank you both for joining me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Rubina. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure and an honor. Yes. Mine too. I will put all the ways you can connect with the Marslands in the show notes. Okay. Awesome. There's such an inspiration. Check out the link in the show notes to Moments with the Marslands podcast and all their social media channels. I also recommend listening to a couple of other podcasts. One is Code Switch, episode Who You Call in Hispanic. It talks about the historical importance of Hispanic Heritage Month and how the Hispanic community empowered themselves to be recognized on the census, which didn't happen until the 80s. All links to the Hispanic business shout out and the Marslands podcast are in the show notes. To participate in the giveaway, follow my Instagram at Rubrina Rettle. Tell me your favorite episode and tag two friends. This giveaway is only open to the U.S. listeners, but if you're an international listener, I haven't forgot about you. Stay tuned to future episodes because I'm going to do something special for you too. And if you enjoyed this episode or if you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to give Grit a five-star rating, follow, and share. Getting Real, Immersed in Truth is written, produced, and edited by me, Rabrina Reddell. Original music by composer Michael Coffey of Handcrafted Studios. Connect with me on Instagram at Rabrina Reddell and check out my website, rabrinareddell.com. I also have another uh, podcast on live audio, Mama Take Heart, Understanding Your Gen Z Girl. It's designed to help mama be the compassionate, gospel-centered, and influential voice in her girl's life. Okay, friends, until next time, keep your head up when getting real while immersed in truth.